Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Icons, did you ever watch True Blood? I was obsessed. I thought the men on that show, Alexander Skarsgård, Ryan Quanten, I was in love with him when that show was airing. And I thought it was just so good. And so that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the new season of the Truest Blood podcast. The Truest Blood podcast is fantastic. If you haven't listened before, it's hosts Kristen Bauer and Deborah Ann Wall who rewatch and tell true stories from the set of HBO's iconic series, True Blood. They discuss the episodes, the blood, both fake and real, and all the sexy bites in between. And this season of the podcast, they cover seasons three and four of True Blood, uh, where there's more werewolves, witches, and vampire royalty on the show. Plus, they have really great people who worked behind the scenes of the show coming on and talking about the show. Lots of that to come. I think we're all pop culture junkies here. And one of the things that I love about pop culture is seeing how the sausage is made. And so I think that's why we're all going to be so excited to listen to the Truest Blood podcast. So check it out. uh, And also check out the show True Blood. Watch all episodes of True Blood on Max and listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Are you looking for ways to be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative? Gretchen Rubin is the number one bestselling author of The Happiness Project, and every week she shares insights and practical solutions in the Happier with Gretchen Rubin podcast. Gretchen's co-host and happiness guinea pig is her sister Elizabeth Kraft, a Hollywood showrunner. Join Gretchen and Elizabeth as they reveal fresh insights from cutting-edge science, ancient wisdom, pop culture, and their own experiences about cultivating happiness and good habits. Every week, they offer a manageable try-this-at-home tip you can use to boost your happiness without spending a lot of time, energy, or money. Suggestions such as follow the one-minute rule, choose a one-word theme for the year, or design your summer. They also feature segments like Know Yourself Better, where they discuss questions like Are you an overbuyer or underbuyer? A morning person or night person? Abundance lover or simplicity lover. And every episode includes a happiness hack, a quick, easy shortcut to more happiness. Listen and follow Happier with Gretchen Rubin, an Odyssey podcast. Available now, free on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Everything Iconic. I'm Danny Pellegrino. The shows that we normally recap here on Everything Iconic are on a temporary hiatus. However, I do have a very special guest. Uh, His name is Jeffrey Boyer Chapman. He's on the show today. He's one of the main judges on Canada's Drag Race, which premieres very soon. He's also been on RuPaul's Drag Race here in the U.S. Uh, He was one of the cast members of the show Unreal, which premiered on Lifetime a few years back. It was fantastic. So I'm super excited for you guys to hear my chat with Jeffrey. I want to give you a little heads up that although we do talk a lot about reality TV and drag race and all that stuff, we also get into some more serious topics like uh, mental health and we even talk about disordered eating. So 
I just want to give you a heads up that we have some uh, a bit more serious conversation. Uh, but it was so wonderful to chat with him. And you can view our entire chat on the new YouTube channel, which is at youtube.com slash Danny Pellegrino and the number one. So youtube.com slash Danny Pellegrino one. Go watch our whole conversation there. Or you can listen to it here on the podcast. Uh, but if you go over to the YouTube channel, just hit subscribe, like, all that good stuff. Uh, and I hope you enjoy. I'm going to try to do as uh, many interviews as I can over on the YouTube channel so you can see my chats. Uh, before I play the interview for you guys here, I want to just say please find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook. It's facebook.com slash Pellegrino Danny. If you want to support this podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash everything iconic. If you click become a patron, you can donate $4 or more per month. You get access to the bonus episodes. More importantly, it helps to support the show. So thank you to everyone who's over there. I do one bonus episode a month. Uh, I just posted a bonus episode where I uh, recap the very first episode of The Real Housewives of Potomac. So I love The Housewives of Potomac and the new season starts August 2nd. We're going to be covering it on the main podcast. So I uh, hope you're all ready. But uh, if you want to hear my recap of that, uh, just subscribe to the Patreon and you'll get that. Uh, if you want one of the t-shirts or any of that stuff, you can go to everythingiconic.store. We have t-shirts available. You can get a fancy AF cocktail book over there. Uh, and we have everything from wine glasses to uh, all sorts of stuff. So everythingiconic.store. Without further ado... I uh, want you guys to listen to my chat with Jeffrey Boyer Chapman, and uh, please go subscribe to his podcast. It's JBC uh, Presents. Uh, you'll love it. It's JBC Presents Conversations with... I, I'm getting it wrong. We talk about it in the podcast, so you'll hear him, him talk about it. JBC Presents Conversations with Others. That's what it's called. Okay. Uh, enjoy, and I will leave you with this chat. Love you all. Bye-bye. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered showerhead. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, my listeners can use code EVERYTHINGICONIC, all together one word, at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. This episode is sponsored by Los Angeles Tourism. Now, y'all know I'm from the Midwest, but I've lived in California for so long, and I truly do love it here in L.A. There's so much to do. My parents were just in town and said the same thing because we always have something to do when they visit. There's so much good food and drink here. There's lots of pop-ups, rooftop bars, year-round alfresco dining. I love being able to eat outside here all the time, but they really have so many different food options uh, that you can get all the time. Tons of great shopping and fashion. Uh, they just opened up a new shopping center right across the street from where we live. 
live. And it's just fantastic to be able to walk there. I love that. I love having the sun. I love the attractions, the studios, the lifestyle. You get all the Hollywood pop culture stuff that I certainly love so much. Uh, And also you just get the wonderful weather. It's really a fantastic place. So I want to encourage you all to head to discoverla.com. Again, need more ideas for your next visit? Just head to discoverla.com. Ever since I saw Clueless, I wanted to have the most amazing wardrobe, and that includes all of the clothes inside the wardrobe closet, and that's why I'm excited to talk to you about Quince. Now, Quince has you covered with truly timeless pieces that never go out of style. You'll have them in your closet forever. Quince has all sorts of must-haves. I'm talking uh, Mongolian cashmere crewneck sweaters from $50. I have a blue cashmere crewneck sweater I got from them that I get so many compliments on all the time. I love it. Plus, iconic 100% leather jackets and versatile flow-knit activewear. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes us savings all over to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. Love that. Makes you feel good about shopping with Quince. Uh, again, I've gotten a lot of stuff there. Just uh, good quality pieces and a lot of different options if you're looking to upgrade your wardrobe. So indulge in the affordable luxury. Go to Quince.com iconic for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E.com iconic to get free shipping and 365-day returns, quince.com slash iconic. Jeffrey, how are you doing today? I am spectacular, Danny. How are you? (laughs) I'm okay. You know, it's such a loaded question these days. I feel like there's no right way to answer that, how you're doing. Um, But I'm excited to chat with you. I've been a fan. I watched all of Unreal. I loved Unreal. Um, so I'm excited to chat with you. And now you're on uh, Canada's Drag Race. You're one of the main judges. Um, how's that feel? How's that going? I mean, well, we finished we finished filming a few months ago. So just that fact alone is pretty epic, given the current circumstances of the world. We just we're we're so blessed to have uh, completed the entire season. They completed post production and all of the editing and everything remotely. But we have this like incredible gift to present to the world to hopefully help people get through their summer indoors. Right. Now, were you a fan of reality TV before sort of unreal and now drag race? Like, did you watch any of it? No, no. I I actually started watching drag race while I was on unreal. And that only came from, for people who don't know, uh, unreal is, is a dark comedy about behind the scenes of a reality show similar to The Bachelor. It was created by a producer from The Bachelor. Uh, So in preparation for that show, I spent a lot of time with reality show producers and watching different reality shows. And I saw that the common theme between the majority of them was that um, they're all extraordinarily fabricated, um, scripted, produced. The uh, characters or cast members or competitors or whatever you want to call them are all, for the most part, playing caricatures of themselves. There's not really any depth or authenticity. And Drag Race was the one exception to that rule. It was where authenticity and vulnerability is celebrated. And the only way to not only steal the hearts of the judges and of the audience, but to snatch that crown at the end of the day is to show the the truth of, of who you are. 
And drag race has become such a phenomenon. And I wonder, it, it's really crossed boundaries, I think, uh, outside of the LGBTQ community. Um, I know so many straight friends that, that watch it and love it. And what do you think it is about the show that really um, catches people? We're fucking fabulous. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what is there not to love? Facts are facts. <laughs> I mean, what is there not to love about the show? I mean, it's, um, uh, it's, it's an incredible... Uh, display of artistry and incredibly talented performers. I think that drag queens from the heteronormative perspective don't really get a lot of respect, uh, the respect that they deserve. Drag queens are truly some of the hardest working, most incredibly talented individuals in the entertainment industry, in the game. They're hairstylists, they're makeup artists, they're comedians, they're actors, they're improv artists, they're, uh, they're costume designers, they're dancers and choreographers, they're singers, like they do it all. And to have a platform like Drag Race where where all of their skills can be showcased and celebrated and and queer people can be awarded for it. I mean, it's just, what is there not to like? Is uh, the Canada version, is it the same setup, same rules, everything is the, as RuPaul's Drag Race? You're going to have to wait and see, girl, but yes. Uh, the, the, the general rule is, like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And it's a formula that works. Um, there's everything that Drag Race fans worldwide have come to know and love about the show will, uh, you, you'll definitely get those elements in, in Canada's Drag Race as well with a little, a little side of Canadian bacon and maple syrup too. Uh, I'm just thinking, who was your favorite? I mean, you've been on uh, the U.S. Drag Race quite a bit. I'm, is there someone that you were especially excited to work alongside or judge alongside? Uh, you know, I think, is Deborah Cox in the new, did I see that in the trailer? Like, is there one person who you're like, holy shit, like, I can't believe I got to sit next to them or hang out with them a bit? Uh, th- there's not anyone in particular that I that I couldn't believe that I that I was sitting next to and judging with. But the person that I was most grateful to be sitting next to and judging with was uh, out of our guest celebrity guest hosts were, was Michelle Visage. I, I she was the the one who I sat next to for my first my first episodes judging on RuPaul's Drag Race. She is somebody who created a safe space for me to be myself. Um, she encouraged me. She gave me so much advice and guidance from the first time that I sat on the judges panel with her in season nine of RuPaul's Drag Race. I learned my judging style from her. I learned the importance of um, giving thoughtful, concise critiques to the queens that will help them help develop them into being more well-rounded individuals and artists. Uh, being as real and straight as he possibly can while coming from a place of love. I, I think Michelle and I are very similar in the way that we operate, operate in the world in that respect. So Michelle, it was just such a, it was such a full circle moment having her come onto the set of, of Canada's Drag Race with us. One of the most exciting things about Drag Race is it sort of opened the doors to all these other shows about drag queens and, and really putting them in the uh, forefront of their own stories. You know, I, I loved We're Here on HBO and there's been uh, a lot of stories. And so I think uh, that's been one of the kind of fun things that has come from the success of Drag Race. Uh, have you been watching any of the other shows that have? I think that We're Here is, is very possibly the most important show on television. Mm. It's it's incredible. It's the this you know the the essence and the energy of drag race mixed with queer eye mixed with oprah like it's mm-hmm. everything that we need and then some it's um it's a breaking down of the damaging narratives that the status quo has forced upon us for centuries and centuries um 
of that of the patriarchy and toxic masculinity, homophobia, xenophobia, transphobia, it kind of uh, breaks down all, all of those falsities and like allows us an opportunity to tell a new story that's healthier and more inclusive. And it's, it's extraordinary. I, I cry every single episode yeah. of We're Here. I think it's so brilliant. I cannot wait for season two. I also love that it's so beautifully produced and it seems like they put a lot of money behind it too, which is, it's just, it's wonderful. Um, I want to go back to Unreal a bit. Now, The Bachelor was just in the news. They finally have a black Bachelor and on Unreal, that happened, Unreal's based on, or sort of about a Bachelor type show. And in season two, I believe you guys had like a black suitor. And it's shocking to me that that season aired so long ago and now we're finally just getting a black Bachelor. And it seemed the announcement of it seems so disingenuous to me just because it came at such a strange time. It wasn't announced in the traditional way that they had always done. It seemed like a direct response to the criticism that they've been getting, but seemed to be at a boiling point. And I'm curious, like, what's your take on, on that? Were, were you following any of that? I mean, I don't follow it closely because it's not really pertinent to my, to, you know, it doesn't really have any in my life, but um, uh, I agree with, with, I partly agree with what you said, but what what doesn't strike me is I I wasn't shocked by it. I wasn't shocked that it took so long mm-hmm. for for the Bachelor or for ABC to have the wherewithal to to cast a black Bachelor. Um, it's yeah, it's. I mean, I don't even I don't I don't really know how to put it other than the world that we live in is set up to uh, center the stories of straight cisgendered white people. And those are the people who are lauded as our heroes and our, um, our protagonists and our, uh, saviors and what is deemed, uh, you know, Eurocentric beauty standards or, or what is aspirational and nothing else really, uh, nothing else lives up to that. And, and it's the, it's the story that's been told for decades and centuries. And it's the um, narrative that we've all falsely accepted to be true. And it's, it's one that's just been per- perpetuated again and again and again in media and television and film and, uh, you know, and pop art across the board. It's what is deemed as the standard, as the status quo. So I agree with you. I think that it was very disingenuous and uh, that they were pressured into it. And you know, I mean, I, I'm not going to sit around and complain about it. It's a good first step, but is it enough? No, it's not. I mean, something else, something else that they could do would be, you know, like instead of just casting the bachelor and kind of have, having us as black people as the front of your show to help perpetuate the facade of allyship. It's like, do the real work, like educate yourselves and start hiring black executives and and black interns and promoting black people and queer people from within your company. Like you can talk the talk, but girl, we need to see you walk that walk. Right. Right. It'll be interesting to see what comes next with all of these companies. I think every, uh, a lot of larger organizations, I feel like they, they were coming out within the past couple of weeks and making these statements. And it's like, I want to know what's, what's going to happen a year from now, what's going to happen six months from now. And I I don't know. I want to be able to say I own 51% of this guy. Now, Jeffrey, I got to be honest, like when I was first going to preparing to talk to you, I was excited to talk about kind of reality TV, drag race and all that stuff. But then I was listening to your podcast and you go really deep into a lot of uh, a lot of serious issues. Your podcast is called JBC Conversations with Others. 
Um, and if you don't mind, I'd love to dig a little deeper into your own life and, and some of the things you talked about. One of the things that really struck me that you talked about and, and feel free to tell me to fuck off if you don't want to talk about it, but, um, you had mentioned uh, your eating disorder and I had found that so fascinating because I feel like men in particular, that's still a very taboo topic, uh, amongst men, amongst gay men. Um, I very rarely hear it talked about, um, anywhere. Uh, can you share a little bit of your story? Do you, do you mind? Yeah. Um, uh, I don't even know where to begin with it. It, I, uh, yeah, I did discuss it. I discussed it and I believe in the conversation with Karamo Brown that you're, that you're referencing. Um, talking about my history with disordered eating isn't taboo to me and it's never been taboo to me. It's just that I was never, I, I didn't have the, voc the vocabulary or a safe space in, in which I was able to properly articulate what it was that I was experiencing because so many men, black men, queer men, cisgendered straight men don't talk about it. Um, it's uh, anorexia nervosa was something that I started struggling with from the age of 15 years old. It was um, only perpetuated through the next 10 years of my life as I was working as a model, um, trying to fit myself into a mold that is so strict and regimented and one that I could never fit into and do not fit into. And um, in me striving to fit into the norms of, of what is deemed acceptable based on Euro, Eurocentric beauty standards, I, I did everything I could. I starved myself. I, um, you know, I just, I really, I really abused my body and compromised my, my self-worth and integrity in order to try to, uh, to be accepted truly at the end of the day is what I was, what I was striving for was just, um, uh, affirmation, acknowledgement, acceptance, and, um, to be, to be able to walk through this world in this industry with the same level of like ease and acceptance as so many of my straight white counterparts did. And I had so little control over, over my own life and my own career as, as a, as a child, I, you know, as children, we don't really have agency. We're kind of just told where to go, what to do. We're kind of placed, picked up and placed in certain environments that may, um, we may not want to be in, but we don't really have much choice over that. So I took control over the one thing that I could take control over. And that was my body. And, uh, it's something that I have healed over the years, uh, through conversation with friends, through speaking about it publicly and very honestly, through working with an organization called project heal, um, which is a, a disordered eating, um, rehabilitation program. We Rise LA, which is a mental health organization here in Los Angeles, has been very helpful uh, in allowing a, a, a platform and a space for me to be able to start conversations about it and to um, allow others to share their stories as well. But it's it, it's an ongoing battle. I mean, I've, re I've relapsed many times. And I didn't know. I didn't have the terminology to know that that's what it was, me relapsing. Every time that my life would begin to spin out of control, it's the default that I would go to, starving myself. And, um, you know, truly at the end of the day, it just came down to finding some sort of healing and solace and resolution in it. It, it always comes down to, um, beginning from within it's, it sounds so cliche, but it's like what Rue says, if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? I wasn't loving myself. And every time that I relapsed or went off the rails, it was because I was ignoring myself. I wasn't taking the time to nourish myself and, and, um, perform acts of self-love. 
I wasn't meditating. I wasn't journaling. I wasn't doing yoga. I wasn't eating foods that were nourishing me. Um, I wasn't having honest conversations with my friends and family about what it was that I was experiencing. Um, I've learned that disordered eating is a vicious cycle and it comes in many different forms, but I think all of us are going to be taking many different paths to get to the end destination, which is that of recovery. But the way to get there is only can only be achieved by coming back home to yourself and getting really true with who you are, what you want, how you're feeling and what you need in order to uh, find a a sense of self-love, self-acceptance and groundedness. You know, uh, just hearing you speak right now and on your podcast, you, you are so confidently able to discuss uh, the parts of you that other people I believe would find hard to discuss, whether it be disordered eating, mental health. You know, I talk a lot about mental health on, on this podcast. And uh, what I always tend to hear from other people is uh, they have trouble even just talking about it with a close friend sort of off camera or off air or, or just at the dinner table. And were you always able to just sort of talk about these things? Because it's rare, it's rare, whether, you know, it's rare. I, I, so much of it, I think, comes from my childhood. I was I was adopted and raised in small town Canada, and raised by uh, an entirely white family. And as much as I love my family, they're all quite waspy, and they don't really express their feelings. They don't really tell the truth of of what is going on in the in the world immediately around them. If they have issues with each other, they talk about it. They talk about it, uh, you know, around it. They talk around it, but they right. never address the issue with the person who who they have. Yeah issue with. And that was something that drove me nuts as a kid. It drove me crazy because I was like, do y'all not see issues that you were causing by just not communicating and telling the truth and like basing these things head on? It's only making it that much worse. It's only adding to a toxic environment. Like what is wrong with you people? I could see it from such a young age. So it was just like ingrained in me to not be that, to, uh, to, it was just so easy for me to, to see. And I can, it's something that I apply every day to my, my relationship, to my friendships, to my family, to interacting with the Queens on set of Canada's drag race. It's like, tell the truth, tell the truth, tell the truth, tell the truth. Um, it's so much, it's just so much more satisfying at the end of the day. It's how we find true connection. It's how we evolve personally, individually, collectively. There's communication is the key to everything, I think. So it's something that I not only am I not afraid of, but I can't live without it. I can't, I, I feel like I will explode if I don't tell the truth of, of my own being. My family is very similar in the fact that they'll sweep everything under the rug and it's like put on the facade and we're all happy. Everything's great. And I felt uh, I felt like when I especially when I came out of the closet to my parents, I I remember that day and I remember like leaving the house and being like, I'm never going to I can't lie anymore. Like I can't I just want to just everything that's going on with me emotionally inside. It's like I need to at least get it out almost to a fault sometimes because i feel like sometimes i annoy people i'm like uh danny's talking again about how he's feeling i've learned i've had to learn to find balance (laughs) Uh, you know through therapy my therapist often says to me like jeffrey that i I, it's your your i wholeheartedly agree with your message it's the approach that needs a little (laughs) bit of work like finding some grace in that so i'm learning it's also good to have a, a professional to talk to i think it's so important because um i don't at least for me before i had a professional to talk to. It was like, I was just 
burdening my friends constantly. And, and so it's good to have someone to talk to, but what advice would you give someone who's maybe dealing with, uh, something internally, whether it be anxiety, depression, mental health, um, who doesn't have the strength to kind of talk to someone close to them or to reach out to a professional? Is there anything you would leave them with? Don't be afraid. Don't, I, I, the, the fear of reaching out to talk to a mental, mental health professional, whether that be a therapist or a counselor or your friends or whoever it may be, the fear of that is so, for myself at least, was so much worse and so much more debilitating than the actual act of, of expressing the truth of, of my reality as, as painful as that may have been. It was, uh, it was more freeing than the self-imposed prison that I was keeping myself in by not allowing my truth to be heard and something that is so, I mean, as you discovered in that conversation I had on my podcast with Karamo Brown was that um, when you speak the truths of who you are, more often than not, you're going to have somebody look you in the eye and say, oh my God, me too. I feel the same way. I've been through the same thing. And even if they can't get it or they don't know your exact experience, um, we as a collective consciousness have like a level of empathy that allows us to be able to we may not be able to be in the shoes of the other, but we can at least imagine what that's like. And we can at least offer, you know, a a pathway from my heart to yours to, um, to try to allow you to express your heart. I would also say, you know, don't, don't be afraid of, don't be afraid of asking for help, but also don't be afraid of admitting that, uh, that we are flawed and we are, we are, traumatized and some of us may feel broken. And I think there's so much stigma around mental health and, you know, medication, antidepressants. I mean, so often it's a, it's a matter of chemical imbalance in our brains and we can do all the work in the world to keep ourselves balanced. We can be going to therapy and exercising and having the tough conversations and journaling and doing all the things that you know that you need to do in order to keep yourself as balanced as you possibly can. And it's still not quite there. Um, that's not, it's not always going to be the case, but uh, something that I've, that I've learned over the years is taking the stigma away from mental health is necessary in order to find mental balance. And it's the same, it's in the same sense that the narrative that we've been told around heterosexual cisgendered, uh, whiteness being the norm, um, that being the healthy thing to strive for. That's, it's just not true. So this, you know, the same stigma that we have around mental health and, therapy, psychotherapists, antidepressants, all of those things, those stories just aren't true. So as long as we can like start to learn and put those, those falsities to the side, you'll find a path to healing. I thought it was interesting too. You mentioned finding uh, medication and journaling and doing all of those things. And I also just think it t- does take, what, what do you, do you say meditation or medication? <laughs> Medi- both, both, both. <laughs> um, but you know, I just want to add that it does take a lot of work to kind of find the right the right, um, for lack of a better term, the right cocktail that works for you in terms of working with your mental health. Because for some people, it might be something like meditation. Some people, it might be medication. Some people, it might be a mix of both. And it does take a lot of work. I think sometimes people who aren't as versed in, in mental health, they think, well, if they go to a therapist one time, they'll be healed. And oftentimes, I think it takes finding the right therapist. Sometimes, I, I don't know, at least for me, it's like I'm going to three different people before it someone you like, or, you know, someone that you work well with. So I don't know. I just wanted to add that. 
I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. It's like you have to date your therapist. RuPaul and I talk about that. We actually talk about that in, uh, I think it was the last time that I was on What's the Tea? Uh, we have a full discussion about that, about having to to date around to find a therapist that you are compatible with. It's, there's nothing wrong with it. Has there been anything on your podcast that you've been uh, hesitant to talk about, or have you just been completely an open book? Uh, yeah, uh, I, I mean, I am an open book on the podcast, but I'm hesitant to talk about everything because it's it's always scary but it's always worth it in the end to talk about it i did a, a bonus episode with a friend of mine who's a mental health counselor just about a month ago about uh white fragility and the white gaze of white gay men and the um the fetishization of people of color uh, specifically black men hispanic men asian men by white gay men the power structure the racial dynamics in the gay community that are very real um, being in an emotionally abusive relationship with somebody who, uh, who was very emotionally, who was, who emotionally abused me and was, and fetishized me and objectified me and appropriated blackness. And, um, those are tough conversations to have. It's like, it's really, I lived in such shame about allowing myself to be in a situation like that for so long that I didn't, I didn't know how to talk about it. But I think that with the current world that we're living in, in this, uh, quote-unquote, in, enlightenment or moment of awakening, um, it's now is the time to be having these incredibly challenging conversations and to not hold back. I listened to that episode, and I wonder if you could touch on the uh, the power structure you mentioned within the gay community. Um, it, what's been your experience? And I, I know you went into it deeper on your show. I wonder if you could touch on that a bit. Well, it's racism. <laughs> like, I mean, it's, it's plain and simple is what it comes down to. Um, you know, white gay men may have experienced oppression or trauma, um, but at the end of the day, they're white men. And um, white men reign supreme, and not only in this country, but in this world. It's, it's, it's the way that the world has been set up for centuries and centuries. I mean, you know, white Europeans spread across this globe and raped entire continents and shoved the story of the Bible down different uh, tribes and cultures' throats and punished and murdered anybody who, who chose to believe differently and erased the history of, of, uh, of um, the gender spectrum and of the sexuality spectrum. And so, I mean, that's, that's where it all begins. And then it only plays into the LGBTQ community because, you know, during the, in, 19, in the 1960s, during the civil rights movement, many people had to make a choice. It was at the same time that the, the women's liberation movement was going on. So many white women chose to follow the feminist path of the women's liberation movement while leaving black women in the dust to focus on the civil rights movement. And that's where the great divides, you know, really happened, uh, in terms of the LGBTQ community, I think. Um, and so we see it all around us. I mean, we see it from every major queer organization that, that exists. The majority of the executives and the presidents and the boards are all white gay men. These, uh, Karamo and I talk about it in that episode. Every gala and award show we go to, the room is filled with white gay men. I mean, you see it. You see it from everything from dating apps to, I don't know, to porn, to media. Black men are objectified. Everybody wants BBC, but nobody wants to bring the black person who's attached to that BBC home to their families. You know, like it's, uh, it's this, it's just, I don't even, I don't even know how to explain it because I 
it's not something that I subscribe to. It's not something that I perpetuate. I just know that it's something that I experience and have experienced time and time and time again. And it's very insidious and it comes in many different forms. And, you know, in my relationship, it wasn't just about objectifying and fetishizing blackness, but it was like this relationship i just want to stop you the relationship you're talking about you do go into specifics with the uh, bonus episode you did with uh, uh your friend who's in um mental health uh, yeah okay. yeah yeah correct so you know in that relationship it was uh wasn't just about fetishization of me but it was like this obsession with blackness he was a white gay man who works for the kardashians and we all know their obsession with blackness and their their appropriation of blackness their fetishization of blackness their abuse of blackness and how they are all transforming themselves into blackness i mean that you know like physically very you know just from them staining their skin darker colors with spray tans to uh, uh making their lips bigger their tits bigger their asses bigger their uh you know whatever it may be i mean he did the same he he literally started to transform before my very eyes into somebody who now people look at him and ask him like people have asked me like is he biracial and it's like <laughs> Nah, bitch, he ain't biracial. He just went to a, he went to the Kardashians' doctors. Like, are they biracial? Like, it's it's really it's so deeply fucked up on so many different levels. I don't, I like I said, I don't know how to explain it because I it's not something that is an issue for me personally, but it's something that exists and it's something that is not only accepted but it's like applauded and sought after like it's you see it in the followings of the kardashians you see that all of these young impressionable boys and girls all around the world like look to them as the new standard of beauty and aspire to that but it's like the reality is it's like girl they don't look like that 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 ain't and we all know this like we all know that we've seen their transformation in front of our very eyes we've seen how horrible and offensive and damaging it is and yet we still give them a pass and allow them to do it so it only created the pathway for my ex-partner to be able to do the same and like think that it was acceptable and that he could get away with it and the reality is is that he is getting away with it they're all getting away mm-hmm. with it but like at what cost right the cost is at the expense of us as as black people now, when you were in that relationship were you aware of these things or was it something that you just sort of like stuffed away both. Yeah. Uh, yeah, both. Um, I mean, I, I, and once again, people can, can reference the, the episode where I, where I talk about it in, in much more in depth, but it's, it was, it was just, it was a negative. We all follow patterns, negative patterns from childhood. We all fall into cycles. We go to what's familiar, even if what's familiar is damaging or abusive or traumatic. And that was the cycle that I fell into. I fell into the cycle of, of, uh, being, in, being with a white man who, um, loved me, but was also my oppressor. It's the same thing as like my stepfather and every, um, you know, a authority figure in my life growing up were all straight white men who claimed to love me, but oppressed me at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it was this familiar energy that I was drawn to. And, um, yeah, I, I was, I was, a, I was aware of it, but only aware of it as only as aware of it as you can be when you're like this close to it. I, it's only now that I'm coming out of it that I have a broader perspective on it. And it was like, it was friends. It was friends who would say to me, like, you know, like, like he's starting to look more and more like you is what some people would say. And it like, I would have to take a look back and be like, Oh shit. Oh my God. That's so twisted. You're right. Like, 
you know, getting getting uh, injections on his jawline and his lips bigger and his skin darker with spray tan. And like, it's just like, oh my God, you're right. How do I not see this? How do I not see how twisted this is? But yeah, it's the same thing with the Kardashians too. So. I mean, a lot of times I think when you're in something, it's like you just don't, I don't know, at least with me, I feel like it, hindsight's twenty twenty, and it does take me taking a step away from any situation. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, Jeffrey, I, I find I found your podcast so incredibly fascinating. You're having so many um, conversations that are important to have and also just very interesting and fun. And, and uh, I think it's fantastic. It's called uh, JBC Conversations with Others. So I encourage everyone to check it out. Because JBC presents conversations with oh, them. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> now, I this is a hard shift, but I have a few questions, a few like lightning round sort of questions that I ask everyone. So I'm just going to throw these out. The pop culture. Let's do it. Do you have a favorite movie? Um, I have a couple of favorite movies. Real um, Matt. Uh, Paris is Burning is like one that I will just have like on repeat again and again sure. and again. And um, Francis Ha. I don't know if anybody, if it's really yeah. that, it's Greta Gerwig's film with Noah Baumbach, and I love it so much. It's all, it's just, it's very mumblecore, set in New York, black and white. Like, it's like, it's, it's like Woody Allen-esque without having the problematic nature of be, being Woody. <laughs> <laughs> um, I fell asleep in that movie in a theater once, but I appreciate that you love it. Um, I love it. <laughs> what's your favorite Mariah Carey song? All I Want for Christmas is You. Classic. Yeah. Um, did you have an AOL screen name, like, back in the day? didn't know i had a I, I was on myspace but that's uh did you have a myspace song like that definitely i think that my uh 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 what was it la tigra hot topic i think oh was my, my god <laughs> take me back yeah <laughs> uh, if you were choosing for people magazine sexiest man alive who would you choose god I don't have celebrity crushes. That's the thing. I really don't. I never, and I never really have. That's uh, a good thing. I don't. Yeah. Who, who do I think is, is the sexiest man alive? Uh, man, what's your answer? Uh, I, I mean, Idris Elba was just the, I think he was like last year's choice. Um, I find him very sexy. Chris Hemsworth. Um, One yeah. of the blandly handsome Chris's just right. throwing. The, the, <laughs> like, generically handsome you could win it too jeffrey you could win that we'll give you the title too look at at that smile dude you know i'm gonna give it to i'm gonna give this one to brooklyn heights brooklyn heights oh my god brooklyn heights is so gorgeous she's so so beautiful in drag out of drag but as as cheesy as it may sound i'm always drawn to somebody's um internal beauty and brooklyn's one of the most beautiful people on the inside that i that i know and yeah a fellow judge on canada's drag race um Canadian dragon. Um, speaking of, if you were lip syncing for your life, is there a song that you would absolutely win with? Like, is there something that no one would, you would absolutely win if you were lip syncing to this song? This one's so problematic. It's so problematic, but you I tell me. 212 by Azalea Banks. <laughs> it's not the song that's problematic, it's her. Sure. But goddamn, I just love, I love any like female rap songs but specifically you know even more specifically like female rappers from the 90s and early knots like give me some like left eye give me some missy misdemeanor elliot give me some mc light like that's my jam uh jeffrey where can people find you on social media uh where can they find uh drag race tell me everything plug everything 
you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jeffrey B. Chapman. You can find my podcast, JBC Presents Conversations with Others, on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Uh, Cannabis Drag Race premieres July 2nd on Crave and Out TV in Canada on the Wow Presents. Uh, plus app in the United States of America on BBC three in the UK and on Stan in Australia. All over Jeffrey. Thank you so much. And and thank you for uh, chatting and getting a little bit deeper with me. I encourage everyone to go listen to your podcast. It's so many fascinating conversations. I was honestly obsessed with it. With it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, have a great day. Thanks for having me. This was so much fun. This was great. Thank you. Icons, did you ever watch True Blood? I was obsessed. I thought the men on that show, Alexander Skarsgård, Ryan Quanten, I was in love with him when that show was airing. And I thought it was just so good. And so that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the new season of the Truest Blood podcast. The Truest Blood podcast is fantastic. If you haven't listened before, it's hosts Kristen Bauer and Deborah Ann Wall who rewatch and tell true stories from the set of HBO's iconic series, True Blood. They discuss the episodes, the blood, both fake and real, and all the sexy bites in between. In this season of the podcast, they cover seasons three and four of True Blood, uh, where there's more werewolves, witches, and vampire royalty on the show. Plus, they have really great people who worked behind the scenes of the show coming on and talking about the show. Lots of that to come. I think we're all pop culture junkies here. And one of the things that I love about pop culture is seeing how the sausage is made. And so I think that's why we're all going to be so excited to listen to the Truest Blood podcast. So check it out. uh, And also check out the show True Blood. Watch all episodes of True Blood on Max and listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Icons, I'm sure I've mentioned this many a time on the show, but I use DoorDash all the time. And I'm sure so many of you are right there with me. When you need a meal, you hop on DoorDash. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about DoorDash's Dash Pass. It's the most affordable way to get anything in your area delivered to your door helping you save lots of money, lots of time with every one of your DoorDash orders. So it's really a big saver with $0 delivery fees and lower service fees on your eligible orders. Dash Pass makes it super easy to save on restaurants or retail items, groceries, all your local favorites that deliver on DoorDash. Because I don't just get my meals. I also get a lot of groceries. You can get, again, retail items, local stuff. Dash Pass, too, pays for itself in just two orders on average, making delivery even more worth it. Plus, Dash Pass gives you special access to exclusive promotions, member-only menu items, all for just $9.99 a month. So get more from your delivery for less. Sign up for Dash Pass today only on DoorDash. Use code ICONIC24. That's ICONIC24 and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for Dash Pass. Subject to change, terms apply. Again, use code ICONIC24 and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for Dash Pass. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? 
yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.